All right, so welcome back to the MedTech Trends podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Dorian. So today we have with us two guests, and they're joining us from a company called Pi Health. Uh, so I'll introduce them, and then we'll get into a couple of questions, because I'd love to learn quite a bit more about Pi Health and the work that's going on there. A lot of really interesting stuff. So today we have with us Sally Powell. Uh, she's the general manager of Pi Health. Now, Sally is a, a bilingual and Mandarin Chinese executive with a decade of leading uh, companies in the international insurance space. She joins Pi from AXA Global Healthcare, uh, where she was head of marketing for Asia Pacific. Sally previously held a senior management positions with Bupa Global, including uh, China Country Manager. We also have with us uh, Dr. Carl or Chip uh, Levy. He's on the advisory board at Pi Health. He's also a professor of medicine and a director at the John Oxner Heart and Vascular Institute in New Orleans, Louisiana. He is the editor-in-chief of Progress in Cardiovascular Disease and has authored over a thousand studies in areas including cardiovascular rehabilitation and prevention, obesity, exercise, and many other areas. He also holds a couple other uh, appointments, including being the associate editor and cardiovascular section editor of the Mayo Clinic Proceedings. So welcome to you both. I appreciate your time this morning. Hi, Dorian. Thank you for having nice us. Nice to be here, Dorian. Wonderful. Now, so Pi's mission is to become the global health standard for physical activity. It's a nice, big, bold mission. Um, it's global. There's obviously a huge need for this sort of thing. So um, it's great to get into this topic. Uh, Pi Health started out, I believe, as a hardware company, hardware and software company. It's now much more of a software company, and it's growing in its partnerships with a lot of other industry um, uh, providers in this space. And I wonder if we can kind of go back a little bit to the roots. You know, how did the company start? Um, how did the founders meet? And, you know, was there a moment where there was a decision to sort of change it into what Pi Health is today? That's a great question. Thank you, Dorian. So the company actually started as Mio Global over 20 years ago, and it was founded by a real tra trailblazing um, pioneer in digital health uh, by a lady called Liz Dickinson, who is no longer in the company, but still very active in, in digital health. And it was a brand of fitness trackers with hardware and with distribution all over the world. And the Mio devices were best well known um, in the industry for having the best heart rate sensor technology at the time. Um, there was a device called the Mio Alpha, which some of your, of your audience um, may know, which was the first wrist wearable with continuous accurate heart rate monitoring. And that was launched in 2012. Now, the company was approached um, by a research team from NTNU, and that's the Norwegian University of Science and Technology in Norway, of all places. And they had developed the PI algorithm. Now, PI stands for Personal Activity Intelligence. And we acquired the IP with plans to launch it in a wearable device, starting um, with the Mio device. However, um, the fitness hardware market became too challenging and our resources um, were diverted into being a software company. And so we decided to focus on being a device and platform agnostic um, company. And we wanted to scale and focus on B2B channels. Um, and that's where I joined the company back in 2018. Okay, so quite a bit of history. So it's been around for at least 20 years, if, if we're going all the way back to, to the roots, um, and uh, relatively recent, heavy kind of focus on uh, the software application of it, using Pi as a very evidence-based, scientifically-backed 
um, peer-reviewed, published uh, concept and, and turning that into something that can really affect a lot of uh, people in a positive way. Now, uh, I'm wondering also how how has the company grown and are there any sort of indicators that you, uh, you might be able to give us in terms of usership, number of people that are using it or the number of partnerships that you have? Sure, sure. So like I just mentioned, um, we have only been um, around since 2018 and very focused on B2B channels um, to date. So our most significant partnerships um, are with Genry, which is a global reinsurer and a Berkshire Hathaway company. And by working with them, we are able to embed our software technology for them to um, sell on as a value add service to their insurance customers all around the world. And we also have a strategic relationship with the American Heart Association. Um, the Pi score on a more consumer level is available to millions of users around the world in the Huami and Macefit devices. Um, Huami being um, the leading smart wearables company in the world. We will also soon be launching um, in the Prudential Asia super app called Pulse, which has already had over 17 million app downloads across 12 countries in Asia. And that's incredibly exciting because it really demonstrates how scalable, accessible, impactful um, an algorithm like Pi can be. Um, we are also seeing um, particular interest from cardiac rehab programs and the general cardiac prevention space from researchers and payers, providers and pharmaceutical companies. So that's going to be a key focus of ours um, this year. There is a current crisis in that attendance is lower than ever um, during COVID um, when traditionally cardiac rehab has been a very center location-based program. And this is concerning because we know that cardiac rehab programs save lives. And we'll be hearing more from Chip um, in a moment about that. So we are going to see um, a great acceleration in our shift to exploring virtual at-home cardiac rehab programs or more hybrid models. And Pi, um, we're very well positioned to help serve this market. And it's something that we're really passionate about. It's awesome to hear about the partnership and the pilot studies and, and perhaps ongoing studies as well that you've run with uh, Genry, um, major provider of, um, of health insurance. And uh, it's also nice to see that they're, they're very kind of proactive and population health focused. Um, and there's some great work coming out of there. There are some links that, um, that I'll include in the description below, but some of the early results seem really interesting. Um, I think there was a pilot run with about 500 uh, members where they, um, they found a, uh, very positive results in terms of uh, you know, helping people to stay on track uh, with their fitness levels um, and seeing po you know, positive results. Uh, so I'd love to get into that a little bit uh, later on in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Dory. And, and it's important to um, let people know that that pilot study was done globally um, in-house with generally employees, majority being actuaries. And it also happened um, during the start of the pandemic. And um, it was a very um, testing time for lots of people around the globe. And we were delighted to see that after that 16 weeks, um, Pi made the biggest impact, the most measurable nominal improvements in people's cardiovascular fitness, the segment of people who were least active to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really the segment that we want to cater for and um, help um, people get healthier. That's a much larger segment. Definitely. There was another piece um, 
that I, I found really interesting about that study because um, they reported that persistence uh, on uh, if for anybody that was using fitness trackers or uh, or other tools like that, persistence was extremely high. In fact, it was it was much higher than uh, than they even anticipated going into that study. And um, you know, maybe some of that is kind of um, masked with underlying kind of effects because of what's going on with stay at home orders and the whole pandemic kind of going on. Uh, but that is huge. Uh, being able to adhere over the long run to uh, treatment plans, fitness plans, that, that is the thing that actually ultimately has a major impact on cardiovascular fitness and other outcomes. Absolutely. And I, and I can share with you, Dorian, that we did um, a lot of qualitative studies and, and questionnaires um, during that particular pilot. And what we found was that because we had invested um, heavily in the onboarding to really um, educate people about cardiorespiratory fitness, the importance of it, and really educate people about the science behind PI and how personal it was, we found that um, through this education, and really um, conveying to people that this is something that's backed by science, that it's personalized to you and really fits around your lifestyle, what, what you're already doing, um, really made people more committed to it because they believed in it. And the um, what's in it for me question was answered um, upfront quite quickly. Very important point. Um, also mentioned too, so I, I've actually, I've tried Pi, I downloaded the app, um, and, uh, and I, like I've, I've been a Fitbit user for a number of years now, but I find myself sort of trailing off. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm also coming from a background. I, I you know, I was a competitive uh, swimmer. I ran cross country. I used to cycle a lot. I used to weightlift a lot, played a lot of field sports growing up. And, uh, you know, what you get into the, the working world and sort of things sort of taper off. And so unless you're actively pushing and, you know, to create a lifestyle around that, um, you know, it's very hard to keep up with that lifestyle and maintain your, your health and fitness uh, level. So uh, Pi actually, what I found in over about a week or two of actually using it, it actually helps to keep me on track. This is just my personal experience. Right. It, it's, it's actually really useful. Um, the piece that I really wanted to touch on, I think at this point is the science behind Pi score and, uh, and the fact that it's actually backed by a lot of evidence unlike a lot of other metrics out there, because there's so many trackers and a lot of wearables and so on, they're not all created equal. Um, so I, I wanted to get into, and perhaps this is a, a more of a question for, uh, for Chip, uh, you know, how, what kind of research was done to create the PI score? Um, and what were some of the outcomes in terms of disease prevention uh, and its association to longevity and, and mortality? And, and are the results generalizable? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, so I think uh, what we can do at this point is jump into a couple of slides that um, Chip has uh, put together for us. And uh, yeah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about this because uh, I think it's extremely useful. Thanks, Dorian. Yes, yeah, so Pi actually has a lot of science behind it. Obviously, we need people to be exercising. And this has been known for centuries, Cicero said. Exercise and temperance can preserve something about strength in old age. Socrates said, it is not bodily habits spoiled by rest and illness, but preserved for a long time by motion and exercise. The Earl of Derby said, those who think they have not time bodily exercise will sooner or later have to find time for illness. And the famous clinician, Paul Dudley White said, healthy exercise is valuable, not only for the maintenance of good physiologic functions of the body, but also mental clarity and feelings of good health. And Socrates also talked about the dosing of exercise. If we could give every individual the right amount of nourishment and exercise, not too little, but also not too much, we could have found the safest way to help. And so traditionally, exercise has been people warm up and then go do 
some level of exercise for whatever minutes that they do it at a mo at a moderate pace or at a higher pace, and they they keep their heart rate for the 20, 30 minutes about the same the whole time. But there's a lot of evidence for higher intensity exercise where you warm up and get your heart rate to a higher percentage of its peak in smaller birds uh, with some rest in between. And there's a, a lot of data. One of the authors of this a lot is a guy named Ulrich Wisloff, who actually was the founder of, uh, of Pi. And he has articles showing that uh, the higher intensity exercise, you improve your fitness more and you have better effects on your heart structure and function. Uh, and I did a study many years ago in heart failure patients, and we found the same thing that they, they get greater improvements. What we really would care about though, is clinical prognosis and cardiac events. And there's actually very little on high intensity exercise uh, assessing major clinical events. And that's why uh, PI uh, really is, is, is so useful because there's science behind it. Ulrich Wisloff uh, developed this at the KG Jebsen Center of Exercise and Medicine in Norway. Um, and I think we know that people generally, or what, you know, a lot of times clinicians want, want to know, what should I tell my patients? And the guidelines all say, tell them to do 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise. But without a lot of, of definition of what that actually is. And we know that um, the most important thing is improving the physical fitness. And so we really need to motivate people to increase their physical activity for sure, but particularly to increase their physical activity effectively, whereas it's improving their physical fitness. And we know there's a lot of wearables and fitness apps, but typically they have not gotten to the, the, the point of getting people to necessarily improve their fitness. So there's some general things like the steps. Do a 10,000 steps or just do 30 minutes per day. Uh, but this is vague and it's not, uh, does not give a detailed uh, response to reflect the body's response to each activity. Um, so even though everyone tries hard, there's still no simple way to tell how active you need to be to improve your fitness and to stay healthy. There's no real standard. The race about giving you the most advanced information to show everything that's possible with today's technology because it is possible now. And heart rate reflects the body's response to any type of physical activity. Everybody measures heart rate, but no one really tells you exactly what it means. So the scientific question, can we make a meaningful heart rate metric for physical activity tracking that could translate into lower risk for various lifestyle diseases. And that's what Ulrich Wisloff did. He had a, a major study called the Hunt Study in Norway, where he took over 5,000 people, knew their gender, knew their age, knew their resting heart rates, knew their maximum heart rates from, uh, from exercise assessments, and then measured their heart rate during physical activity over a seven-day period and had in-depth uh, questions about their physical activity. And from this, they developed a personal, personal activity intelligence or a PI score in these individuals, showed that it correlated tremendously with health status. If your PI score was low, 
you had much more risk factors like high blood pressure, high glucose, high cholesterol, obesity, et cetera. What's really important though, is what it does to prognosis. What it does, does it reflect cardiovascular disease, total mortality? So then he applied what he got out of the HUNT-3 trial. He applied this to over 40,000 people in Norway that were assessed many decades before and then followed for 26 years, over a million person years of observation. During this time, there were over 10,000 deaths and close to 4,000 deaths that were due to cardiovascular disease. And we actually published a paper using this data in a major journal, the American Journal of Medicine, uh, three years ago, where I was a co-author. I'm not a co-author on all of their papers, but I was on this very uh, first one, where we basically showed that if people got what's referred to as a high score, reflecting what the physical activity that they did for the previous week, if they achieved a high score of over 100 weekly, they had an excellent prognosis, they had an excellent survival. If you got a 50 pi score, you had about two thirds of the benefit. Whereas if you had lower pi scores, uh, you had much higher mortality. So men and women who got a weekly pi score of 100 lived on average five years longer than those who had a high score of 30. And if you were young, like 55, 60, you have, yeah, lifespan was increased by seven years. If you were over 70, it only increased by two years, but still that's pretty important for someone in a higher age group to extend quality years even by a little bit. And if you had more risk factors, like if you smoked, better, it's obviously better not to be smoking, but if you were a smoker and you achieved 100 pi, you reduced your risk by 30%. If you're hypertensive, again, 30% lower. Overweight, 30%. And the highest benefit was even in diabetics. If you had diabetes, you reduced your risk by 54% if you achieved the pi score of 100. Now, subsequent papers, I wasn't on this one, but they published this one in my journal. You mentioned I was editor-in-chief of Progress in Cardiovascular Diseases. We looked at changes in pi over... Uh, 10-year period uh, in, in, a, in a large number, close to 25,000 people followed for 18 years. And again, they showed the best prognosis were those who had 100 pi at the baseline and 100 pi 10 years later. The worst was if you had low pi at both time spans, but if you had a low pi, but you improved your pi, you had a very good prognosis, probably getting about 80% of the benefit. Another paper, very important in regard to what Sally said about cardiac rehab, they had a paper in Mayo Clinic Proceedings. I'm not a co-author on this either, but, um, but I, as you mentioned, I'm the uh, associate editor and cardiovascular section editor of the Mayo Clinic Proceedings, which has uh, in the top three readerships in the world, uh, 130,000 uh, readers of the Mayo Clinic Proceedings, this study of patients with cardiovascular disease, it was 3,133 patients with cardiovascular disease followed for 12 and a half years. And again, those who had uh, got 100 pi among the cardiac patients, most of these are patients with blocked heart arteries, coronary heart disease, they had a 24% uh, lower mortality than those who had lower levels of fitness. Now, that's in all Norway data. So people would say, does that apply elsewhere? So we applied this data in this paper uh, 
to the Aerobic Center Longitudinal Study in the United States of over 56,000 participants followed for 15 years uh, and basically showed the same things in the United States. Those who got over 100 pi had by far the best prognosis. You had about two thirds of the benefit if you got between 50 and 99 pies. If you had some pie, if you at least some activity, you had did better than those who were inactive. And in the next paper that's online right now in my journal will be out in uh, several months. Um, we looked at change in pie in this population. Again, showed the same type of trends. The best was if you had high pie at baseline and on second test, worse was if you had low pie uh, all the time and then various degrees if you changed your pie in the right direction uh, over time. Now we know that now a lot of people call sitting the new smoking because there's so much sedentary time. We're all sitting right now, but a lot of people spend most of their day sitting. And so they actually looked at this from the, from the sedentary behavior standpoint, published it in my journal, Nina uh, Zisco with Ulrich Wislaw, and showed that obviously the best would be if you didn't sit very much and you had high pie. But if you sat a lot and your pie was high, it largely negated the effect of the sitting uh, on the odds for cardiovascular risk clustering uh, this is in young people, then middle-aged people and older people, all the same uh, benefits uh, from having high pie, even helping people make up for their prolonged sedentary behavior. So again, pie has a lot of data. It's a simple metric based on a personal uh, profile and heart rate data that guides people how active they need to be to stay healthy. It's simple. You're just looking at the number for the previous week. It's scientific in Norway, in the United States. And I can tell you right now, we have data that we're working on a publication in over a half million people from China that is showing the exact same things. It pro provides important insights. It's universal um, because it's personalized to the individual. It's adaptive. If you improve your health, it, it changes your heart rate response. So it adapts with you and it tracked over seven days, providing flexibility for people's busy lives. Meaning you can go three days with no exercise. If you got the high, the previous four days, then you achieved your goal. Uh, it's based on the individual profile, the patient's gender, their age, their resting heart rate, their exercise heart rate. Uh, it's, it's assessed over seven days and there's data uh, now in the United States and in, your, in Norway uh, and in China coming, coming soon uh, that shows that it, it's associated with quite dramatic reductions in cardiovascular disease and prognosis. So for example, a person can go out and walk 10,000 steps, but not get very many pi if their steps are slow, if people are not raising their heart rate much. And you can do other activity where you get a lot less steps, but you can get a lot of pi points because your heart rate was higher during the physical activity. So we want people to get to 100 pi, but even getting to 50, you can get two thirds of the benefit. Um, getting to 100 is the maximum uh, benefit. And, and, it, and interestingly, if you get way above 100, you don't seem to get much additional benefit. It's fine too, there's no harm in getting uh, higher, but just reaching the 100 point seems to produce almost maximal benefit. It's based on your heart rate during exercise, 
And the more fit you are, then you have lower heart rates. And so then you have to do a little bit more to achieve the same number of pie points. The most you can get in one day is 75. That means you have to at least do two uh, times a week where you get your heart rate up. And the higher your heart rate, the more pie points uh, you, you, you get. And pie is based on the resting heart rate. Uh, and so you can wear your device uh, around the clock and anything that you're doing uh, that is in raising the heart rate could be getting uh, some pie points. So that's again, a very quick overview of the science of this. I think it's very exciting. And uh, I think this is, is certainly way more proven than almost any other technology and wearable uh, that there is on out there today. And if people really were getting this amount of pie, they would be doing a tremendous uh, help for reducing their risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Levy, for, for that presentation. That's um, There's a lot of uh, detail there that warrants reiteration because it's um, when we're talking about a science-backed metric um, that's essentially based on, uh, I, I believe, close to a million, nearing a million people um, and, and over, well over a million person lives, if you think about the, the number of years that these patients, uh, people were tracked over time to derive these metrics and these outcomes. Um, it, you know, that's about as solid of a, of a case that you can build for, for, for anything when it comes to associating um, a, a, a software that can track your fitness level, your cardiovascular health, uh, and your overall health uh, and longevity in life. I also love the fact that it's, it's adaptive. I actually went out for a, a run earlier this week, you know, 40 to 60 minutes, I think I got close to that 75 daily limit. And that was just one, that was one day. So the, the piece that um, I realized, I think when I did that was, I don't have to exercise every single day. And that's very different than I think what you see a lot of, um, you know, advertisements and other kind of uh, people talking about is that, you know, daily exercise or every other day, 30 minutes, something like that. I mean, it actually changes the conversation around how much do you need? Because you know exactly where that cutoff is to 100 points, you get there. It's very yes, absolutely. How and much so, do you need for you? Completely personalized, yeah. Mm -hmm. Your point is, is that if you got close to seventy-five in one day, you can, you can, for, to, you can achieve the max uh, by just getting, you know, twenty-five or thirty uh, a few days later. And so, so theoretically, one can. There's nothing wrong with exercising every day, but many people find that difficult to 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 do. Everybody's schedule is busy. Very frequently, we hear people say they don't have time to exercise. Uh, the joke is, you, if you don't have time to exercise, you're going to have to find time uh, for, for dying but, uh, or for disease. But, but the thing is, with PI, it, it shows you that you can get to the, the, uh, the maximal benefit by really just a few times a week if you get your heart rate up to a certain degree. Now, if you don't get your heart rate up as much, you might have to do every day but, you know, if, if someone gets 16, 17 pie points a day, you know, if they do six or seven workouts a week, then they can get their 100 points by doing, uh, by, by having a lower heart rate. But if you get your heart rate up to a pretty good level, which is really the best way to improve your fitness. I mean, obviously, all athletes know that already, because that's why they do interval training that, you know, people, if you, you don't, you don't win a, a, a race by, by just going out and running slow every day. You got to sometimes run, you know, very fast and do intervals to improve your performance. And so that's true for, uh, for health as well.
Um, Chip, that, that's a fantastic point I want to highlight is that um, the PI score makes um, the science that elite athletes have been using for decades now and makes it accessible to the common person. Um, it takes complicated VO2 max calculations and um, science on cardiorespiratory fitness much more understandable, achievable, because it's just one number, it's a score. I need to try and get my 100 over seven days and keep my 100. Right, and you, and again, you, do, you don't have to be an elite athlete for this to, 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 to be very applicable to you. You can be 70 years old and not be able to walk a 20 minute mile, you know, and, and, and so it's what your heart rate does uh, you know, if, if, if you're very unfit, uh, your heart rate's going to go up fast when you try to just do a, a little bit of, 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 of walking. And so someone who's unfit can, can you, we could be sitting there watching them and they look like they're not even walking too fast, but they're getting pie points because they're raising their heart rate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas if somebody, if somebody's a, an athlete to get their pie points, you know, they're going to have to be, you know, you know, running, you know, faster. Uh, but for the average person, a lot of times just a brisk walk or doing a, you know, you know, riding a, an exercise cycle, doing an elliptical machine, uh, or, you know, doing a slow swim, doing, you know, water, water exercises, they could be raising their heart rate enough that they're getting pie points. Exactly. And again, another great point, because unlike steps, um, pie counts all activity that aren't based on using your legs. So swimming, um, you know, cycling, um, yoga, um, even playing with children, grandchildren, you know, all of that counts. So we might not be able to help you to turn the clock back on your actual age, um, but we can definitely help people lower their fitness age. And in fact, the fitness age is, is another way of translating very complicated science and data to um, allow people to have a quick glance um, on their wearable or on their smartphone is how is my fitness age doing? How is it improving? Because I'm following Pi. Um, in, in an age where there's so much content, there are so many dashboards, so many scores, I think it's um, a real standout how simple um, the Pi score is. I, I like a, a lot of these points and um, there's there's one in particular that I wanted to, to again reemphasize is that I think one of the problems that I had with um, trying to track steps, for instance, uh, is that a um, I could, you know, you could walk at a slow pace for five hours and barely feel anything exaggerating a little bit, but but really so that that is one part of it doesn't really necessarily raise your heart rate. And the other part of it is, um, what does it mean? What, what does 10,000 steps actually mean for my health? And how, like, I have no way of connecting the dots there. And, uh, and so this is the, in, the pi index it score, uh, itself, the score helps to solve both of those problems. Correct. And, 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 and actually, you know, again, it, you, you, want, you want everyone to be becoming more physically active. And certainly, you know, somebody who's not doing 2,000 steps a day, who raises their steps to 12,000 steps a day, they're probably getting some good out of it. But your point is, is that not all steps are the same. And so to maximize your benefits, it, it'd be good to be having at least some of the steps at a faster pace with the heart rates going up. Because as you said, if you walk really slow, your heart rate might not be 
go up by five beats or 10 beats a minute. And, it, and you may not even be getting any pi points uh, for that. Uh, and obviously you don't have to go real fast to get pi points, but if you go real fast, you get a lot of pi points because your heart rate's higher. And if you don't, if you don't go just a little bit fast, you have to go further to get the pi points. Uh, but just counting steps does not uh, tell you the true story. Indeed, and that's why um, we position the pi metric as a smart metric um, because it adapts to your progress um, and it becomes more intuitive um, and it goes some way to helping you uh, make some behavioral changes as you are educated about what sort of steps or activities um, give you the most health benefit. And that's so important in this day and age, because when you look at the amount spent in the US, for example, um, in um, fitness as an industry, I, I read in 2019, it was around $220 billion, which is a vast amount of money. But when you look at the results, most adults in the US are failing to meet um, the recommended 30 minutes of just basic physical activity per week. And, and that's just walking down the road. And so there's a huge discrepancy there. And we really want to help people um, become smarter about their exercise because there is a will and intention there and people are investing in it in a monetary term. Um, and, and that's why we, we've built our software to be an API. Um, for those of the audience don't know, that's the application um, Oh, I, I, I always call it API, so it's an application program interface. And what that is, is that we integrate with other apps, other digital platforms, because we want to add and enhance what people are already doing and enjoy doing and not add something extra for them to do. And so um, we see a big opportunity, particularly in the US, um, to enhance a lot of this intention and investment into physical activity um, that derive more value out of it and ultimately have better health outcomes to um, prevent death from cardiovascular disease, which remains the biggest preventable killer in the US and in most countries around the world. I should add something that, uh, that I, I probably should have had in my, my, my talk was that not to, not to discount that we want, it's great if people, if, if everyone was getting 150 minutes a week, 30 minutes, five days a week of of, of uh, moderate physical activity. But we showed in the first paper that those who met, who didn't meet that guideline, but who met their pi score got the full effect on, on cardiovascular mortality and, and all cause mortality reduction. Whereas vice versa, if you met your guideline minutes, but didn't meet the pi score, you didn't seem to get uh, that much reduction in your risk. So meeting the pi score was even more important than just looking at the minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, most, many people who are getting the minutes are going to probably, uh, you know, reach their pi score. Uh, but but you know, if you got one of the two, if you can get your if you can get your uh, your, uh, your 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 hundred pi points in forty minutes a week or thirty minutes a week, you seem to be maximizing your benefit. That's really, really interesting. I, want to, I almost want to let that point kind of linger a little bit. Um, really important point. Uh, one of the other reasons why I brought up the uh, the idea of using steps, it, it's such a common, it's almost like part of pop culture nowadays. Uh, but also because, you know, in, in uh, if you're in an office-based setting, 
a lot, you know, I, I used to work with a lot of colleagues that would have their watches on, their wearables. And so, you know, in between breaks, uh, you know, in between work, you go on a lunch break or something like that, you, maybe you go walk up and down the stairs or you walk around the hallway. A lot of people did this sort of thing. Um, counting steps basically was the was the goal. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe there's some merit to it. Okay. But, you know, is it really, is that, is that the best way to go if, you're, if your intention is to improve your cardiovascular fitness? to prevent disease and increase longevity. And I wasn't convinced, um, the, the, you know, there wasn't a clear connection there. So I, I do want to come back to the, the point of how PI can help in a workplace uh, with workplace wellness programs and how it can help um, with, through some of your partnerships. Um, I also wanted to touch on a couple other aspects of what this actually means from a clinical perspective, uh, because I'm sure that there will be a, a lot of clinicians that are interested in using this sort of thing for a variety of applications. Part of it has to do with clinical research. Part of it has to do with being able to, to manage uh, their uh, patient um, patients under their management, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, improve treatment plans as well. Um, so, so Chip, you know, from your perspective, what would be, what are some of the main selling features of using PI in a, in a clinical practice, whether it's specialist or even just a primary care setting? Well, it's, it's, it's simple and, and, and people, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's very easy to, uh, to, to use. It's got proven. So clinicians want to make sure that there's science behind it and there's science behind it. Um, it's, it's something that, that if, if someone uh, got their pie points, you know that they are, are maximizing their uh, prevention from a physical activity standpoint. And that's something that a lot of clinicians don't really know how to give an exercise prescription. They, they don't really know. It, 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 it seems like it'd be pretty simple to say, go walk or do a bicycle or elliptical machine. Uh, for 150 minutes per week, but they, then the patient asks, well, how hard should I be doing it? And they don't know. And so this is very simple and clinicians can, can, can use this and recommend that get at least 50 pi and preferably get 100 pi to maximize your benefits. It's something that employees could use to incent their, their workers. I mean, employees are paying for healthcare in much of the world United States, they are. Uh, I don't know if that's the case in, uh, in 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 Canada, but in the United States, employees are paying for most of the health care, and so um, employees want to have lower health care costs, uh, and they also want to have a more healthy workforce because a healthy workforce is more engaged. So, employees could use this to incent their their workers. Uh, also, insurance companies could use it uh, to give lower premiums. To those who are healthier. So there's a lot of clinical potential applications, including what Sally kind of mentioned earlier, like, you know, something like a cardiac rehab. After a cardiac event, patients normally go into the center in the program. What well, the problem is, is that those programs are tremendously underutilized even way before COVID. And during COVID, most of the, the, uh, the centers uh, were closed down. And so this would be a remote way that, that not only would be helpful during COVID, but it would have been helpful before COVID and after COVID. Hopefully, hopefully we have an after. Something that uh, could reach a lot more patients than the than the ten percent of patients or so who actually join the formal uh, in center cardiac rehabilitation programs. People want to have hybrid models. They want to be able to exercise on their own in their own time, uh, not when somebody else tells them you have to do this class. Uh, and you can do all of that with the pie. 
Yeah, maybe some of your audience um, is thinking, well, not everyone likes to have a wearable device on their wrist. And I wanted to share that um, innovation technology around heart rate sensors is developing very quickly. And so we call these form factors. And um, Pi Health is in the process of working um, with more partners and different form factors, for example, smart textiles, where you're able to have um, undergarments, and particularly for the elderly or people who are coming out of major heart surgery, and um, we are all also able to um, take the heart rates um, through these. Also, the um, earbuds, um, where you're listening to music, working out, or even, you know, people in call center and um, sittings where they have headsets. Um, we do need continuous heart rate data, but the heart rate data that we really need to generate a PI score is when you're raising your heart rate um, from the resting heart rate. So you don't actually have to um, wear um, a sensor all the time like when you're asleep and so on. So this is one of the misconceptions um, I wanted to flag. Yeah, I would also uh, reemphasize that too. I mean, it's um, one of the, you know, from a general consumer perspective, one of the big selling features to me is that it's device agnostic. I, I happen yes. to have a Fitbit. I've been using it for years now, but any, you know, you can use it with uh, any number of devices. Uh, and that, make, that flexibility is something that I'm sure a lot of people would, uh, would like. Um, and uh, I'm sure it'll, with the API, of course, it'll be uh, integratable, if that's the right word, with a lot of other devices going forward as well. Um, so it, it's a positive, very easy to use, easy to understand. Um, it, you know, intuitive helps with uh, the behavior change and the motivation, mm -hmm. I think, as well. Uh, there's another kind of interesting question in my mind here, you know, is it, can anybody use it? It, it is adaptable, but can anybody use it in terms of certain patient populations? Um, so we're talking about cardiac uh, rehab programs. Uh, a lot of those patients would be coming out of a cardiac event. Is it safe for them to use as well? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I showed one of the papers that was in uh, published in the Mayo Clinic proceedings, which was data on 3,300 uh, patients with cardiovascular disease. So these were cardiac patients who were showing that that those who got high pie, uh, you know, had a very good pro prognosis. And so there's very few cardiac patients that we would recommend don't exercise. And there are a couple of there are a couple of situations, but but that's a very uh, uh, a small percentage of patients. Almost every patient who's had a heart attack, who's had a stent, who's had a bypass surgery, who's had uh, uh, many di different types of heart disease, we want them all to be physically active. And we'd like them all to be getting uh, the, the, the right amount of exercise. And so really exercise is safe. And again, if somebody's having, you know, crushing chest pain when they walk across the room, they gotta do something else they need either, either more medicines or they need another stent or a bypass surgery. But once they have that and if heart has been stabilized, we want everybody to be uh, physically active and exercise. So there's very few situations where we're not recommending physical activity. And again, there's now data with the cardiovascular disease patients showing that those who reach high up high have a, a basically a 25% lower mortality. And uh, if I remember the slide correctly, I think it was like, uh, you know, five to seven years on, on your lifespan. Yeah. So, so the, the average was, was about five years, but the younger people, obviously younger people have more time that they're going to live. And that sort of the younger people in the mid fifties, they actually extended their lifespan uh, by an average of seven years. If they reached their, their pie, pie go, whereas a 70 year old, somebody who's 75, uh, 
they only got a two-year improvement if they re if reached their pod because they're not going to live as long anyway. But still, you know, for a 75-year-old, if you tell a typical 75-year-old, if you do this, you can live two more years. You know, you can live to 90 instead of 88, or you can live to 82 instead of 80. That's a pretty uh, uh, nice thing uh, for many people. And live in better health. Yeah, that, that's very important. Yeah, because it's not just about longevity. It's also about freedom from, from uh, other uh, diseases. And, and, and so improving your quality of life is important too. Obviously, our papers are more talking about cardiovascular mortality and, and death, not necessarily uh, quality of life, but I think it's a general uh, understanding that people who are physically active uh, typically will have lower depression, lower anxiety, uh, lower uh, various psychological diseases, and they end up improving almost all of their quality of life scores. We did, we've, not, we've not done the studies on that with pi, uh, but, uh, but that's been shown uh, with many, many uh, cardiac rehabilitation papers and, um, you know, and many physical activity papers that, that chronic diseases and quality of life is certainly improved uh, by physical activity and exercise. And so, Dorian, I, I would love to, um, on that note, um, ask anyone in your audience to kindly reach out to us if they're interested in doing some of these studies and doing these pilots, particularly on corporate wellness, because we know that, unfortunately, one of the many um, impacts of COVID-19 um, is um, the impact on people's mental health, particularly um, you know, people who are working. And so in any way that we can help, you know, help um, alleviate that um, in a way that is very um, non-contact, that is scalable. Um, most people have a smartphone. Um, the penetration of wearables is very high in the U.S. We love to hear from them because this is, um, this is a challenge that we all have to group together to address. We mentioned that uh, COVID uh, and the impact that that's had on people's uh personal lives and, and working lives as well uh, a couple of times. Um, has that impacted uh, the, the way forward uh, for, for Pi Health? Uh, are, are the partnerships that you had, let's say, in place or that you were working toward pre-pandemic, are those still ongoing? Mm -hmm. um, so the partnerships um, in Asia, um, so Asia um, has bounced back relatively quicker than, and than the Western world for lots of reasons that we won't um, have time to go into here. So they're still very much in place. However, for the US, um, it's definitely made us focus a lot more where um, the market is telling us we need better solutions and by better ones that are um, easily deployed. Um, scientifically um, validated and scalable. And so that's why we are API first, particularly for corporate wellness. Um, and then the other strong signal coming from the US market um, is virtual cardiac rehab and the great need for it um, because um, the inability to get to rehab center um, has really prevented lots of people who are interested in doing it in the first place. And that has a real dollar value um, to insurance companies, as well as um, a human cost, um, which is really, really important. 
So um, those are the two areas. And then thirdly, we're also really interested um, in tackling um, the prevention of type two diabetes um, through exercise and partnering um, with other um, health techs, um, med techs around um, diabetes solutions. Um, and this is primarily driven by um, the stats that we're seeing from the mortality rates of COVID-19, particularly in the US again. Um, if you have type two um, diabetes, your mortality rate increases by 2.5. Um, from COVID. So um, there is a real um, serious health um, crisis going on here. So that that's really helped to sharpen our focus. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we're running uh, close on time here. So I definitely appreciate those messages. There was one other piece that I, I wanted to, uh, to ask you about um, with respect to how, how Pi Health can help again to get folks through uh, the COVID period um, and ultimately to, to help with population health and with program development and so on. Uh, and then I'd like to turn it over to you for, for some uh, final thoughts. Uh, one of PyHealth's uh, core offerings, I believe, maybe I can call it that, um, is this dashboard tool. And mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I've downloaded the the app. Um, I have it on my phone. It's very easy to use. Um, and, uh, you know, it's available to general consumers, also available, I believe, to payers uh, and, to, uh, and to employers uh, and to clinicians as well uh, to help um, keep track of, of their patients. Um, uh, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that um, and how that sort of adds to a workplace wellness program. Sure, sure. So as you mentioned, we offer a web-based dashboard that can be used across a number of use cases. And our web-based dashboard makes it easy for employers or insurers to manage population health across groups and product lines, if you, if you like. And it also allows healthcare providers to manage and monitor individual patients. Um, so the dashboard works in sync with our app, um, but we're also um, app agnostic, if you like. So we can also work with, with the apps of our customers um, because we offer our API solution, which allows our partners to integrate the Pi experience into their apps. Since so they can track the analytics in their reporting systems. So at a, at a, at a corporate use case, um, often the um, HR um, department directors find this dashboard very useful if they're running um, a wellness campaign. So we really try to give our partners the flexibility to design an experience that works best for their needs. Um, and we're very much into co-development um, of these solutions with them. Many customers actually start um, with our app and then they move on um, to the dashboard. And it's a really easy way to deploy a pilot to get started. Um, and then once we have the learnings and we iterate on what has worked well with their population, um, we're able to integrate our APIs for a full-scale commercial rollout. We are also doing a number of clinical research trials with our app and our dashboard, and we have received very positive feedback from clinicians um, who are excited about the increased insights that we are helping patients um, with lifestyle behavior change. And that really ultimately is where all of this points to. It's making meaningful lifestyle behavioral changes, which we all know takes time. You know, we all know we should eat more vegetables, drink less and not smoke and move more. Um, but actually achieving um, those lifestyle behavioral changes um, takes a lot of support and education. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we love um, working um, with fantastic thought leaders um, like Chip. And we're very humble um, that he has been a part of our journey um, through to commercialization. Uh, it's, it's also, uh, it's wonderful to hear. Um, I, again, I'd like to um, emphasize the, again, the, the fact that you can, there's a strong lifestyle um, factor in underlying this entire conversation, I think, uh, and the fact that you can really draw a very clear bridge between the pi score itself, your activity, the pi score itself, and uh, and the impact that it's going to have on on your overall health, uh, and then potential that it has from a population perspective as well. And um, and Chip, uh, you know, I'd love to to hear your perspective also on, uh, you know, are people underemphasizing or not thinking enough about the fact that a healthy, active lifestyle can really just have huge impacts on your overall health and well-being. Uh, we know that, you know, the major causes of, of uh, death and disease and morbidity, mortality in the world, they're really lifestyle related. So, I mean, I see this as a, a huge player in, in helping that. Uh, do you have the same perspective? Yeah, I think that uh, certainly an issue has always been is that that most people have practiced, you know, medicine in a fee-for-service m- model. And so what you're doing is people come into the office for, for an illness. They come into the office because of a pain or they're sick and, 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 and they get that, that issue treated. And so prevention has never been uh, the number one uh, thing in most clinicians' uh, focus. They, it's not that they don't believe in it, but, but patients come into the, to, to the office generally. It, it's, it's changing a little bit with, with managed healthcare. But for most, most clinicians' lives, it's been people coming in to treat their current illness. Uh, the current illness could be burning urine or it could be, a, you know, a fever. Uh, but but the, the emphasis has not been on long-term health. And so I think that's changing. And, and, and certainly uh, in, in primary health plans, primary care uh, practices, or when, when, when care is managed, people realize not only do we want to do the right thing by making our population healthy, but we are going to save money in the long run uh, by having a healthier uh, population. And, and so uh, I, I do think that, um, that it's not that, cl- that clinicians uh, don't believe in it. It's just that their time in their 15 minute office visits is generally treating uh, the, the problem that people have come in with. So one needs to be proactive uh, for long-term uh, with prevention. Great message. Uh, thanks so much uh, to both of you. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I, I would love to have a longer conversation, uh, but we're, we are uh, short on time um, for today. So perhaps I can have both of you join at some point in the future as more things happen with Pi Health and things progress and more studies uh, come out as well. I'd love to hear about that. Um, again, thank you both for your time this morning. Uh, wish thanks you all the best us. and look, look forward, forward to seeing more. Thank you. Pleasure.